الجزيرة بودكاست A maritime deal between Israel and Lebanon is now in force. In Tel Aviv, it's seen as a de facto recognition of Israel. In Beirut, it's described as purely technical. So what are the political, security and economic implications? I'm Darina Bougueda. You're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. So let's now bring in our guest. Joining us from Beirut is Naim Salem, who's a professor of international affairs and diplomacy at Notre Dame University in Lebanon. From Tel Aviv, Jonathan Reinhold, head of the Department of Political Studies at Bar-Ilan University. And joining us from Paris, we have Nabil Khouri, a former U.S. diplomat. Thanks so much for your time with us on Inside Story. Uh, Nabil Khouri in Paris, over to you first. Uh, so the Lebanese side has been clear, as we've been hearing, this is not a deal that marks normalization, but rather a deal that allows both countries to move forward in terms of gas exploration. But before we get into the political implications of all of this, I'd like to get your take on the deal itself and whether you see any sticking points going forward. I think the deal itself was uh, quite a success, uh, feather in the cap of uh, Mr. Hochstein. Both sides are uh, determined to respect and to implement uh, the agreement. So on that level, there is a fair amount of uh, pragmatism. And the idea that this will last regardless of who is elected in Israel or in uh, Lebanon, is because of the legal language in the agreement that binds uh, the governments. I think every side involved, the three sides mainly, expect this agreement uh, to hold. Okay, Jonathan, do you foresee any challenges in implementing this agreement and sustaining it in good faith? Um, I don't think so. Now, of course, the broader conflict between Israel and Hezbollah remains, but um, while the opposition leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, did initially uh, state that he wouldn't see this agreement as binding, given the agreement's popularity in Israel with the public, he's now backtracked on that, and it's passed the cabinet, it will pass the Knesset, and I don't see any problems on the Israeli side. Um, And the fact that it's underwritten by American mediation and promises to both sides only strengthens um, the likelihood that it will remain intact. All right. Uh, uh, Naeem, over in Beirut, I mean, both sides portraying this as a victory. What does the Lebanese side stand to gain, in your opinion? From, From the perspective of Lebanon and particularly the Lebanese government, This is a major milestone, a major achievement. In Lebanon, we have been prevented, literally prevented, from exploring for oil and gas since the 1960s. And now, after many years of hard work uh, diplomatically, uh, this uh, agreement came as a breakthrough. And there are some uh, developments which have helped this, ironically, the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine and the whole conundrum that has sprung up out of this invasion in Europe and, and the West against Russia and the cutting of oil uh, and, and gas supplies from Russia to Europe has created a big chaos, uh, energy chaos in Europe. So suddenly the Europe and the United States saw that it is in their uh, interest 
to find alternative for Russia's gas. Russia's gas pro provides uh, uh, Europe uh, before the war, which was begun on uh, January 24 of this year, right. about 150 uh, trillion uh, billion cubic meters per year. Now it has gone down to less than 40 uh, cubic, uh, 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 40 uh, so, uh, million cubic meter per year. Uh, and okay, let me just jump in the there for European the sake of time, Naim Salem, and stick with you for one more question on the politics of all of this. Because as we've been hearing, the, the Israeli Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, is calling the deal a tremendous achievement and basically saying that Lebanon has now de facto recognized uh, Israel. The Lebanese, of course, deny this. Lebanese president saying this does not constitute a peace agreement with Israel, saying that this is purely technical. How is this going to play out in Lebanon, with the Lebanese focusing on the technical side and economic side, while the Israelis are saying this is de facto recognition? In reality, this agreement is purely a technical agreement, but nevertheless, it has a political and a strategic implication in the medium and long run. Technically, this agreement does not have a, a, a political uh, uh, dimension. Uh, it has technical dimension aimed at uh, uh, clarifying the border demarcation line, which came to be line, the so-called Line 23. North of Line, line 23 uh, has been recognized by Israel as entirely for Lebanon, and south of Line 23 uh, uh, was recognized by uh, Lebanon as uh, uh, Israel. So this is a major, major milestone for, for Lebanon that Israel has recognized its uh, uh, right and its border, and more importantly, the right of Lebanon to explore and extract the oil and gas from its territorial water. Previously, there were always prohibition right. uh, put on us by Israel from, from exploring for uh, natural gas or, uh, or, or oil. This has been ended now. This, for us, for, for Lebanon and Lebanese, definitely, this is a major uh, victory. And we Nabil in Paris, let me just jump ahead. in there and bring in Nabil um, uh, Khouri from Paris. Yeah. So we heard from uh, the leader of Hezbollah, Sayyid Hassan Nasrallah, who also said the Lebanese government had been very careful to ensure that negotiations and uh, protocols had no hint of, quote, normalization with Israel. In your opinion, do you think it was a, a difficult balancing act for Lebanon to strike a balance uh, while negotiating this deal, because, of course, uh, they have a decades-long uh, dispute with Israel and they've been unable to tap into the offshore energy resources. Look, uh, ironically, at a very difficult time politically in Lebanon, uh, all three presidents, which means all major factions in Lebanon, agreed that this is a good deal and did not put any spokes in the wheels of the negotiations as they neared a critical end. Uh, from, uh, it's understandable that Mr. Lapid will use this politically to his advantage with an election coming up. But uh, a, a cold, sober analysis, plus really the American point of view. I mean, Mr. Hoxine never doubted from the beginning that this is about oil and gas. From the American president's point of view, this is about economics. This is about avoiding a war in the region, which would disrupt oil and gas, not only from 
uh, Israel, which is going to supply a fair amount of it to Europe, but also potentially endangers gas and oil from Egypt, from Cyprus. Nobody wanted to see all these rockets flying about that part of the Mediterranean. But I don't think there were any illusions in Washington or with Mr. Hochstein that this is anything else other than gas, oil, and economics. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to bring you in in just a moment. But first, let me just uh, do one follow-up question with you, uh, uh, Nabil Khoury. You say that for, for the U.S. president, uh, this is about economics. But here's what Biden actually did say. He said that Lebanon and Israel have not only agreed on a provisional maritime separation line, but also have established a permanent maritime boundary. What do you read into that statement? And do you think that the U.S. is going to try to continue to build on this going forward? Again, politically for Mr. Biden, it serves to put the best political face uh, possible on this. But uh, look, uh, Mr. Hochstein was asked in a, in a uh, talk that he had with the American Lebanese Task Force uh, as the agreement concluded, uh, now that you have done this, why don't you go back and fix the land borders? between Israel and Lebanon, and he laughed. He chuckled. He said, thank you very much, but I do have a full-time job to uh, go back to. Uh, and there, uh, at this point, the basic problems between Lebanon and Israel are all still there, and they are still dangerous. To draw a line in water is not the same as drawing a line uh, on land. In, in water, uh, most borders, maritime borders, are negotiated. There's no fast rule about them. And so the fact that the two sides were pragmatic enough to uh, negotiate and conclude an agreement, permanent or not, it does not change anything on the ground. Right. The relationship uh, between Israel and Hezbollah, with Syria, mainly the relationship between Israel and the Palestinians, it's in an uproar in Jerusalem and the West Bank. All that is dangerous stuff, and Lebanon is very much in the thick of it. Okay, uh, Jonathan in Tel Aviv. So as we've been saying, Israel, of course, is holding upcoming elections on November 1st. Um, and the prime minister has uh, made comments saying that it's not every day an enemy country recognizes the state of Israel in a written agreement. Uh, is this really how Israeli officials are seeing this, Jonathan, or... Uh, are they just making these comments ahead of the upcoming elections? And this has been turned into a political issue in Tel Aviv. I think, first of all, we have to recognize that this is a little bit more than a technical agreement without being uh, de facto recognition of the state of Israel or a step towards peace. And the reason we can say it's more than a technical agreement is because Lebanon asked for the line the borderline, the maritime border, to be reflecting the status quo, i.e. it's a purely technical, temporary issue. In fact, what they in the end agreed to was to recognize it as the international uh, maritime border. Not only that, but while for Lebanon, the most important point is that where the gas is, right, which is further out to sea, uh, Lebanon achieved most of its aims. Israel's aims were on that part of the uh, maritime border that is within five kilometers of the coastline. And that line 
runs according to line one, which was Israel's line. And so for Israel's point of view, um, the agreement has very great security advantages because it's now tied Israel-Lebanon with the backing of the United States to an internationally recognized maritime border. And that will, of course, have implications uh, in terms of going forward, um, in terms of any conflict and who's to blame and who crosses what Look, way. I do want so to I ask you about how, the, how you think this actually makes Israel more secure, because those are also the comments that we're hearing out of Tel Aviv. But just back to my uh, question on the politics behind this in, in sure. Israel, how much of this is a political issue ahead of these elections coming up? So I think in a secondary sense, it's a political issue in that uh, Mr. Netanyahu, the head of the opposition, one of his great uh, benefits, advantages in elections is that he's seen as very successful uh, in managing Israel's foreign affairs with Washington, with the Abraham Accords, with the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Morocco. And here we see that Prime Minister Lapid has achieved an agreement which uh, hasn't been achieved by Mr. Netanyahu for the last 10 years. And he's achieved it on terms that the defense establishment in Israel considered to be very good. Um, so that's to his benefit electorally. However, I doubt it will make much difference because for Israelis going into the election, this gas deal is relatively marginal. Had Mr. Netanyahu opposed this deal, it might have helped Mr. Lapid. But since he has backed away from that opposition, since he is an avid reader of Israeli polls, I think it is a marginal issue. Um, it might help a very little bit, but the real key to Israeli election results lie completely in other spheres, not, not the Lebanon gas deal. Uh, Naeem Salem, um, uh, we were talking about security just a moment ago. What are the security implications for this? And would Lebanon have gotten security guarantees uh, as a result of this uh, deal? And if so, by whom? The reality is this agreement came about primarily because of the pressures of the United States on Israel and on Lebanon. As I mentioned earlier, due to the uh, development in Europe and in Russia, Ukraine, etc., all of all of this development have affected the East Mediterranean oil and gas uh, fields and uh, discoveries and exploration in a uh, accelerated way. And there is now Western and American uh, 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 policy to uh, fasten the uh, exploration for gas in the Eastern Mediterranean. And this has come to work in our interest uh, in Lebanon. We have benefited from that. And in fact, Israel will be benefiting from, from that because uh, if this agreement didn't come about, Hezbollah would have continued to threaten Israeli uh, uh, installation in the Mediterranean. And in fact, when Hezbollah sent three uh, uh, drones uh, towards the sh ships which are exploring for oil in the Karish region, Israel really was uh, terrified because this is very dangerous. I mean, one uh, missile is to hit that huge ship will cause a big problem for Israel. So there was therefore an intersection a, uh, of interest which brought about this agreement. Right. I want to emphasize this agreement, it is uh, political in, in a way, but primarily is a technical 
agreement. It doesn't have much political uh, implication. Previously, we have negotiated through the United Nations or through uh, the US uh, for truces in uh, 2006 and 2000, uh, and the year 2000 when Israel withdrew from South Lebanon. And those agreements uh, didn't have uh, uh, political implication between Lebanon and Israel. And this apply on this uh, oil and gas demarcation Okay, let uh, me just line. jump in there and bring it, in Nabil, I, I, because I, I see that you do want to comment, uh, Nabil, from Paris. And also telling, uh, tell us uh, how, what you think about uh, what President Aron said of Lebanon. He said that this outlining the boundaries would prevent war uh, with Israel. I mean, in your opinion, does this make uh, war a less likely possibility? Well, it certainly makes war less likely over oil and gas and over any accident that could happen at sea. Uh, since we brought in the elephant in the room, uh, Hezbollah, and everybody knew that they were a silent participant in these negotiations. Silent at the table, of course, but indirectly. They were not uh, so silent. There was uh, the pragmatism on Hezbollah's part, which was recognized by everybody, was saying, look, if the Lebanese government and its three presidents are satisfied uh, with the agreement, we are fine with it. We're not going to oppose. They did have one condition which wasn't well publicized. There is a certain line that they draw, which is sort of a perpendicular line going from Nakura out uh, at sea. They do not want to see any Israeli warships uh, heading north of that line. And, they, and that for them is a security question. As long as Israel doesn't own any waters above that line and send ships, then they are fine. But also from a security point of view, so okay, we're not going to have war at sea, but who's going to stop the Israeli air, uh, airplanes from flying over Lebanon? Uh, who's going to stop any skirmishes that happen on land? So the prospect of war in general is still there. Right, but okay. We took away one element of it. Let's bring in Jonathan to comment on that. Jonathan, go ahead from Tel Aviv. Well, I think, I think it's a, a, a slightly disingenuous in the sense that any time Lebanon would have wanted a deal, they could have had one over the last 10 years. It was Hezbollah that didn't want one because they didn't want to enter the kind of agreement that they've now entered. And the reason that they're being pragmatic is that their standing in Lebanon is bad. Their position in Syria is bad. The position of the Iranian regime at home is bad. I the wonder what you're basing of... this information on, though, Jonathan. I mean... Uh... Well, I don't, it's not very difficult to look at, is it? That there's uh, demonstrations going on in Tehran. Um, the Lebanese economy and government is in a worse situation um, that at any time anyone can remember. Um, those are big issues. So, you know, right, those are big those issues are... that the Lebanese government is having to deal with as a government. Let's let's not talk about internal domestic well, Lebanese there, politics because we're just coming up Lebanese... to the end of we're just coming up to the end of the show. I just like your final thoughts on whether you think that uh, from the Israeli perspective, uh, this makes Israel more secure. We have about a minute I or so left makes, on the program. I think that uh, I think it's telling that all three of us agree that it takes away one potential cause 
of a conflict that is not in anybody's interest. Okay, uh, and final it, word to Naima in Beirut, because uh, this is important and I did want to raise this with you. We have 30 seconds left, Naim. Is it clear how Lebanon will actually manage the potential profits from these discoveries, seeing as there is a severe financial crisis in the country? The managing the, the potential revenues and the profits, this is a very complicated issue uh, in Lebanon. But we hope that they will be managed in a proper way. But uh, this agreement, in brief, has achieved a major outcome, which is uh, giving the right uh, to Lebanon to begin in earnest to explore for the oil and gas and to begin producing oil and gas, which is by itself a very good achievement. And it will uh, come to be to materialize in the next two to three years. Uh, total uh, energies uh, will be sending its uh, its ship to uh, Lebanon's territorial water right. uh, uh, bordering Israel in a matter of two to three months maximum. Okay. And that bodes well for, for us we'll and for the production of oil and gas in our territory. On that note, thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us. Naeem Salem, Jonathan Reinhold, and Nabil Khoury, we really appreciate your time. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohamed Laishi, Ferdia Carr, Laurent Peter, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Yara Atallah. The program was edited by Vishnu Sheila, Lin Guyen, and Joe DeFrius. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Monday. Mm-hmm.